What's going on, people? It's your boy, Kalechi, back with another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope y'all are staying away from people. I hope y'all are still washing your hands, wearing your mask, doing all the things you know you ought to do during these coronavirus pandemic periods. I felt like a rapper just now dropping all those bars. Bars about the coronavirus. But anyway... We got a lot to get into. Today is the news topic of the week. We're going to be talking about all things business news, what's happening in the investing world, some shocking, shocking, shocking events that happened in the business world this week. And now, of course, we'll touch a little bit, just a tiny little bit on some political stuff that's going on. Of course, we got to talk about Texas and all the things that's going on with the snowstorm in Texas and what that means moving into the future. How is that going to affect us in different ways? We're going to talk about that a little bit. And then we got some good stories to touch on at the end. One that I'm really, really, really excited about because Nainjano de Cari last, my friend. I told you, Nainjano de Cari last. But we'll touch about that one when we get to the end of the episode. But we begin with this. Bitcoin continues to explode. Continues to just climb to higher and higher and higher and higher heights, man. Bitcoin literally just hit, actually, let me look at it right now. It's probably closer to like 50 something thousand. Let me, let me make sure I got these numbers right. What is it? Bitcoin right now is at $52,216.30. Everybody who sold their Bitcoin back in 2017 is like, well, dang, why did I do this? Why did I sell out of my Bitcoin? I have one of my friends who bought Bitcoin back in 2018 when everything was exploding. He was like, he sold out of his Bitcoin. And now he's like, why? Why did I do this to myself? Like, why did I do this to myself? I could have just had Bitcoin. I could have had, oh man, I could have been so rich right now. But you know, it goes like that. That's how, if you don't know what you're investing in, if you don't know what you're buying in, you're always going to be losing. The main reason for that is you're never going to know when to get in and when to get out. Most of the time, you're going to get in when things are already at all-time highs, and you're going to get out when the thing starts to crash. But when you know what you're doing with an asset, when you know what you're doing when it comes to investing in something, when you know what you're doing when it comes to whether it's buying stocks or whether it's buying Bitcoin, whatever it is that it is that you're investing in, if you know what it is, you have more of a confidence. Because as we all know, when it comes to investing, when it comes to money, it's more about the mentality of when you go into it. It's more about how you're thinking about it much more than it is about the thing in and of itself. So anyway, Bitcoin just crossed the $50,000 per coin mark as of, I think it was two days ago. And now it means that there's no, no hold bars at this point. It just feels like Bitcoin is going to continue climbing up and up and up and up and up and up now none of us thought this was possible let's just be honest about that none of us thought bitcoin would ever get to close to around fifty thousand dollars because after bitcoin's meteoric rise back in 2008 and then its epic fall all the way from twenty thousand dollars per coin down to thirty two hundred dollars everyone was like bitcoin isn't real bitcoin is fake there's no way that this asset or this thing can become a real thing however the fakeness is becoming reality each and every single day. There's a there's a quote that I heard from somebody one time. They said that the irrationality of human beings can make the irrational and the impossible actually become possible. Let me say that again. The irrationality of human beings can make the irrational the irrational and the impossible become possible. 
Think about man flying. That is irrational and impossible. But yet we fly from place to place every single day. A man doesn't have wings. A man doesn't have feathers. A man shouldn't be able to fly. However, because we are irrational and we can be so irrational, we make it possible. And that's the way that I look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin at one point was irrational. It didn't make any sense. It should not have been a success story. It should not have been possible. It should not have come this far. However, because there were so many people who decided, no, we're going to continue backing this thing. We're going to back this thing to ensure that it becomes a success. All of a sudden now it's becoming a success. And although Bitcoin was designed to sidestep the typical monetary system that we have in the United States, it's being embraced heavily by the system that it was made to upend. It's being embraced heavily by the system that it was created to do away with. Which is the ironic thing of this whole Bitcoin thing. For anybody who's a Bitcoin bull that wants to tell you anything about, oh, this is a decentralized thing. There's no way it's going to be centralized. The whole point of Bitcoin. No, 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 no. That ship has sailed because there's no way that people, if there is a way to make money, they're just going to be like, ah, you know what? Never mind. Just, ah, just leave, leave them be. Let them play with their toys over. No way. Once there is money to be made, these people are going to jump in. AKA, as we can see, the oldest bank in the United States of America, BNY Mellon, literally the most conservative and oldest bank in the United States decided that, you know what, we will handle Bitcoin on your behalf. We will handle Bitcoin on its client's behalf, much like they handle gold for their clients. In other words, Bitcoin is becoming the system. It kind of reminds me of the GameStop thing a little bit where everybody was like, oh, we're fighting the system. We're fighting the system. We're fighting the system. The small guy is going to win. The small guy is going to win. But if you know anything about actually what was going on at that point in time, there were a lot of institutions that made billions of dollars off of your backs, off of your hard work, off of your money. Well, not really any of y'all's hard work because most people that bought into GameStop didn't really do the research or didn't really understand the reasoning why people were buying into it they were just buying into it because hey, it's going to the sky it's going to the moon rocket 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 emojis that's the reason why and so there was no way that institutions were not first of all we all knew institutions have been keeping an eye on bitcoin for a long time because the blockchain technology in and of itself is something that is definitely worthwhile if nothing else it's definitely worthwhile but they've been keeping an eye on Bitcoin as to like, how do we dabble in this thing? And of course, in 2020, all of them started jumping in. We have MasterCard, Visa, PayPal, Square, Apple Pay, all saying that, yo, you can use Bitcoin as a form of payment now, which is going to make it more accessible and available to be used more often, which means the price of Bitcoin is going to continue to rise, at least in my opinion. However with anything that has a sudden growth there are always questions that surround it and there are two main questions when it comes to bitcoin one regulation as much as people believe that this is a deregulated system it's not going to stay that way there is no way that the american government or any government in the world is just going to allow people to do transfer money back and forth without them knowing how that money is being moved because at the end of the day money is power and whoever controls the money, whoever controls the currency, 
controls the power, has the power, because they can use it to fund the things that they want to fund. So there's no way that they're just going to be like, ah, you know what, forget those little kids. We still got our fiat money over here. No, there's no way they're going to do that. Money controlling money equals controlling power is why in the old days the king controlled the treasury that's why all the treasury was in the king's house because he could use that to fund his war he didn't just put it anywhere he had control of the money whoever controls the money controls the power so whenever anybody tells you anything about war or fights or anything like that first of all ask the pro- the question who has the money Who is controlling the money? Because most wars and most battles are fought over money. Are fought over money, not anything else. Over money. Most of wars, most wars. But anyway, the second question that has arisen around Bitcoin is, what exactly is it? Is it a store of wealth like gold? Or is it an actual form of payment and currency like cash? Because if it's a store of wealth like gold, there's nobody that's going to be out here like the guy in 2000 and what was it 2010 who bought 10 pizzas with his Bitcoin with like 8,000 Bitcoin or something like that. If it's a store of wealth, absolutely nobody is going to use this thing as a currency, much like gold, like gold. Yes, it can be a currency, but ain't nobody trying to use gold as a currency. People just keep gold in order to maybe transpose it to be cash one day so they can buy other assets so that they can fight against inflation so is bitcoin that is bitcoin a store of wealth or is it an actual transactions payment platform i mean i just talked about apple pay and square and paypal and all of these making it more easily for you to pay in bitcoin but is it going to be a store of wealth or is it like cash what is it these are the questions that a lot of people are still asking and a lot of much, much, much smarter people than me are trying to figure out right now. But at the end of the day, I think the answer to that question, the second question at least, is the public will decide the way they want it to be. Because if the public want it to be a store of wealth, people are just not going to sell or buy or use their Bitcoin. People are just going to keep holding it. People are just going to keep holding it and holding it and holding it. And you probably never see anybody be like, oh yeah, I bought this thing for like a eighth or a 29th of a Bitcoin. I don't think anybody's going to do that because I think people have seen Bitcoin and the fact that the price keeps shooting up as a way of like, yo, I need to use this as like a hedge against the economy or whatever, or a hedge against inflation. So I don't see Bitcoin anymore as a form of currency. I see it as a store of wealth, in my opinion. Now, for anybody who's thinking about getting into Bitcoin, I just have to say this to everyone. One, refer back to the beginning of this podcast when I said, know what it is that you're getting yourself into, because it is, at the end of the day, still a very speculative effort. It's still a very speculative asset. The reason why I say speculative is the only reason it has any value is because all of us have decided that it has value. Just like if you went to buy a baseball card, like the guy who just sold a Michael Jordan Uh, card for over $400,000 the only reason that card has value is because people have come together and said yo this piece of paper holds value I mean then again you could say the same thing about money because there's nothing else that's really backing it it's just we have value so I guess at the same time it's the same thing but just be careful when it comes to Bitcoin because much like what happened in 2018 where the price dropped all of a sudden I think something similar will happen eventually. I don't think it will be as drastic. I don't think we're going to see any more like 
80% drops in Bitcoin's future or anything like that. However, just be careful because the other thing you have to know is that about, I think, half of all the Bitcoins are owned by like 2,000 people. 2,000 people in the world own more than half of all the Bitcoins that are available in the world. I mean, right now, I think it's 18 million Bitcoins that are available of a total of 21, which means 9 million of those are not owned by retail investors like you and I. They're owned by billionaires and millionaires who own the thing, which were the first set of people to actually start this whole cryptocurrency type of thing. So they own a lot of it, which means if any one of them, if people in that group, I feel like yo, I could use my money elsewhere and they decide to withdraw their money from Bitcoin. It could cause a domino effect where other people start to sell out because they don't know why anybody else is selling out. All they see is all of a sudden a price is dropping suddenly. So just keep that in mind when it comes to Bitcoin. Just keep that in mind. But anyway, moving on from there, let's talk about the fact that the South has never been this cold. Who knew that there will be a day when it will be colder in Texas, in the South of the United States of America, than it was in Alaska? Yeah, earlier this week, because of all the snowstorms that have been going on, it was actually much colder in Texas than it was in Alaska. Temperatures dropped to to a finger-crunching, finger-stuck 4 degrees centigrade and remained that low for an extended period of time, which caused, as it should, a lot of people to go home, crank up the heat, which, like you, when you plug too many things into one outlet during Christmas time, it caused a short circuit, which led to a major outage. Over 4 million people in Texas did not have power. Or, as a matter of fact, still do not have power. What they're having to do right now in Texas is to do rolling blackouts. What rolling blackouts are is they'll provide power for a short period of time for people in a certain area. Then they'll take power back out, provide it for a uh, short period of time for another group of people, take it again, provide it for another group of people, take it again, provide it. And they basically just roll it around and it makes the loop like... If you looked at it from space, it would look like, oh, look, it's like Christmas lights. Like for 40 minutes, I kind of hope somebody does like a video lapse of the blackout in in Texas during the time and the rolling blackout just to see like the speed of just like on, 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 off, on, off, on, off, on, off. And just see it like the lights just showing on around the different counties and around the different parts of the state. But it literally they just gave them power for about 40 minutes to be able to like just a little bit warm up and to get things ready and then they shut it right back down warm up get something ready and then shut it back down they've been slowly able to get things back up as of today but things are still looking bleak out in texas and for all my ninja people we're there for inside texas now they probably have flashbacks to ninja way calling out nepa why you they carry light like this now if you guys don't know, NEPA is Nigeria's electric uh, power something. N- National Electric pa- something association, I think, is what it is. So whatever. And we don't have consistent power. We don't have consistent light. We say lights in Nigeria. But we don't have consistent power like that in Nigeria. And whenever light or whenever power would go out, everybody would shout, NEPA. And so I'm pretty sure a lot of people, a lot of my Niger people, because you know Niger people, we did plenty for inside Texas, none of them ever thought that the day will come when it will be as cold in Texas as it is in Alaska. Nobody thought that would ever be possible. But all my Niger people were there for inside there. Nando, nah, sorry, eh? <laughs> Nobody saw this one coming, but then uh, 
can't accept my sympathies, eh? Sorry, yo. You know, they code for inside here. But this brings up and brings into focus two main things. One, climate change. And the second one being the source of where we get our power. Ironically, and it's pretty interesting, Texas, although it's known for fossil fuels, has over 42% of its power generation being done from wind energy, which is pretty dope. However, wind energy is pretty useless during cold season and during any time of uh, raining times and whenever it's wet and cold, wind energy is kind of useless. Plus, during the cold season, um, plus, I'm pretty sure they weren't relying on wind power that much during the cold season because everyone knew that you can't rely on wind energy during the cold season. So, wind energy's generation output was probably way lower. But the problem that showed up wasn't exactly in the wind energy. It was actually from their natural gas energy sources. People were pointing to the fact that some of these conditions have happened over and over and over due to our reliance on fossil fuels, which have major pollutants into the atmosphere. And also, even during this situation, what everyone thought everyone could rely on was, hey, we have natural gas resources, we can keep that power going. But that didn't actually happen because oil refineries and a lot of natural gas gas locations have to shut down because the storm was so bad. But then the question is being brought up like, okay, so you didn't have any reserves available for y'all for a situation like this? Because it's not like this is the first time we've seen a crazy snowstorm. I live in Atlanta. In Atlanta, we had a major something we like to call snowmageddon that happened over here because there's no snow like that. So when we get like even an inch of snow on the ground, we shut down everything. But there was a time when we had major snowstorm. And after that day, it was kind of like, yo, we need to prep to make sure that this kind of situation never happens again. And it was basically like an information that the FCC or is it the FCC? Uh, The Federal energy FETC which is the Federal Energy Commission basically made all the different regulated powers hey guys guess what it is very important that you start mitigating for these risks that can show up especially during winter times but you know what Texas doesn't have to answer to the FETC because guess what they don't they're not regulated and so for everybody who's always always talking about deregulation, deregulation is great. Deregulation is great. Well, we have exhibit A of perfectly deregulated power in Texas. And for some reason, they always seem to be the ones that have power issues when it's super hot. And now when it's cold, they have some more power issues. So I'm just saying deregulation is not good for everything. There's a level of regulation that actually helps. As much as most people believe that deregulation is tra- or deregulation is the future and it's the only way we need to be doing business, that's not always the case. There is a place for regulation. So, anyway, I went on a whole different tangent on that whole thing, but let's go back to the main thing. The main problem with this whole situation is the fact that, first, climate change is just exploding and we're seeing the repercussions of climate change. But the problem is, in order for us to be able to deal with some of the situations we have right now, we still have to rely on on fossil fuels for the most part because the amount of energy that we use is needed because until we get to a way, a place or a, a, a point where we can store this energy like solar energy, wind energy, when they're not being used or when they're not necessarily being use the most in generation that we can store their energy properly it's going to be extremely 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 hard to use renewables but i believe that we are working towards that future i also believe that nuclear 
needs to be a bigger part of our future. As much as people don't like it, nuclear needs to be a bigger part of the way that we do our energy infrastructure. As a matter of fact, there's been less and less and less nuclear plants being used and being created because everybody is just afraid of having a similar uh, situation that happened in japan which that wasn't even the problem of the nuclear power plant itself it was there was all of a sudden a situation that happened that they didn't handle properly but speaking of climate change and greenhouse gases and all that stuff bill gates says he is the man with the plan to eliminate 51 billion tons of greenhouse gases in the world which is added every single year he says he's got the plan he says to do it we need to do two things one thing is using nuclear which is literally what i just mentioned and the second one is to develop a new technology to create cleaner industrial products like steel to avoid the worst climate change impact so maybe people will listen to him because you know he's a billionaire and whenever anybody that has a little bit of money talks we tend to listen not because they're smart but because they have money but in this case bill gates has been one of those people who has actually you know had a good a few good things to say whenever he opens his mouth but anyway moving on from there let's talk a little bit about the impeachment of one donald j trump as any one of us knows and as we all expected trump was not impeached as we all thought it would exactly go like that the vote ended up being 57 to 43 and you needed at least 67 votes so they were a little bit shy to say the least when it came to the voting uh situation and it went exactly as we said it would we we said before the vote happened that we would get about i think i called it on the show that we'll get about 56 votes for against trump and uh the remaining other 44 for trump which is basically it will go right down party lines. Senate, uh, the Republicans were not going to vote against Trump and Democrats were going to vote against Trump. Of course, we had seven who flipped, um, but we didn't have a majority that flipped. And then it's all it's kind of funny that Mitch McConnell then came out and said kind of nonsense talking about Donald Trump should go before the justices and all this other nonsense talking about what he did is a is a shame to me, American public. But then my guy you believe it's a shame to the american public why didn't you vote against him why didn't you vote against him which goes to my point of impeachment process is broken the impeachment process in the united states is broken it is no longer the powerful force that can be used to balance the executive branch of government what this has shown is no longer the fact that people will stand up for what is right especially politicians won't stand up for what is right but they'll stand up for whatever it is that can guarantee them their next election which is something that we've been saying for years, but this just kind of added the exclamation point on the end. In order for us to have a well-balanced power, in order for us to have checks and balances in our government, we need the impeachment process to work because it's the one threat to any politician, or rather it's the one threat to anybody in the executive seat. But once that leg is broken, because whoever is in office can just be like, who owns the thing? As long as it's my party that has the House of Senators and the House of Representatives, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need, I, I can do whatever the freak I want to do. That's what the impeachment process just showed us. It's not a, it's no longer an actual aid to ensure that we have uh, the rule of law in the country anymore. It is just a new system of political power and political pressure. In other words, if the Senate feel like, yo, we don't like who's in office right now, we're going to vote to impeach him and get him out of there. 
Not that it would help because then you just put the vice president that is still against you in there. But the point is still stands of the fact that the system is broken. The way it's supposed to work is the the Congress or Congress is supposed to balance the executive branch. The executive ba- branch is also supposed to be balance the uh, Supreme Court. Supreme Court balances Congress and the executive branch. So like if a cog of that is taken out, the wheel cannot move the way it's supposed to move anymore and slowly but surely we are breaking that cog apart we're breaking out all the parts of the system slowly but surely but we'll see what happens we'll see what happens the fact is as long as as long as the gop is considerably and has proven that trump is basically their king in all in all essence of the word is basically their king let's just be honest because they're never going to let Trump not overshadow them. Trumpism is here to stay, is what this proves also. Trumpism, all his sentiments, all his beliefs, all the things that he did, is here to stay. Because when 75 million people vote for him, it is extremely hard for anybody in the GOP to be like, yeah, I'm going to go against him. I'm going to have a hard line against Trump. It's not going to happen. Which means that come 2024... This guy, if he's not dead, and if he's still of mind, even if he's not of mind, he's going to run again. That's definitely going to happen. And if he doesn't run, his family members are going to run. As a matter of fact, I think there was already news that his two daughters are already planning to run for Senate. They ain't even trying to start with, like, you know, local government. No, no, no. They're going for Senate. They're going for the House of Senate. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting moving forward. Anyway, let's finish out the show with some extras up in this thing. So we will have the hearing of the century while you guys are listening to this on Thursday. The House of Representatives will hold a hearing about the game stonk wild stock rally that <laughs> and then destruction that made the entire world stop and wonder, wait a minute, GameStop is still in business? Well, while you're listening to this, there's going to be a lot of questions, a lot of people being asked a lot of questions, and a few people that will be on stage to add, to be answering these questions are, aka, uh, I mean, Keith Gill, aka Roaring Kitty, basically the guy who started the whole move on Wall Street's bets by discussing his investment thesis that everyone went ahead and ignored, except <laughs> ignored as to why he was actually doing it, and just followed along because we're sticking it to the man and all that kind of nonsense other people that we expect to hear on the stage for this hearing is robin hood ceo vlad tenev because uh, you know robin hood was literally the main broker where everyone used to push the stock higher and higher then we have citadel's founder ken griffin and melvin capital ceos gabe plotkin because those are the two main players on the stage as well they're the two main hedge funds that everybody was going up against and basically i don't think we're gonna see anything come of this whole hearing I don't think we're going to see any kind of ruling or any kind of any kind of anything come from this whole thing. It's just going to be the uh, the SEC flexing their mud muscle and the House of Representatives flexing their muscle and telling everybody, you better be careful next time. And then nothing's going to come of it. But anyway, the biggest news of the day that I got to talk about because Nainjano de Cari last. Oh, you put to understand. Ninja no de carry last. I carry my Nigeria flag. It's there for background. If you watch this thing on YouTube, it's in the background. 
Ninja no de carry last. My guy. Ungozi or conjo iwe la. Everybody who doesn't know how to say it. This is how you say it. Iwe. Say it with me. Iwe la. Eh? Oh, are you hearing me? Okay, good. Was selected to be the new World Trade Organization Director General. Now, you might be like, what the heck is the World Trade Organization? They regulate the international flow of goods between 164 countries and help resolve violations and trade conflicts. She is an MIT PhD holding, she knows she not be small person is what we're trying to say. She not be small person who previously spent 25 years at the World Bank. She sits on the boards of both Twitter and Standard Chartered Bank, which is a bank in Europe, in, in uh, London, I believe. When she started, her, when she starts her four and a half year term next month in March, she'll be the first woman Nigerian to head the organization. So my guy, I say it one more time. Nigerno de carry lasty. Anyway, that's all I got for y'all. I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things out of this entire podcast. If you did, please leave a review. Share it with somebody that you believe can get. Maybe a laugh out of this whole thing. Maybe you got a laugh out of this. And uh, hit me up on any of my socials. If you got any questions, if you want me to walk through anything with you, uh, you can hit me up on my email at ramblingmindshow at gmail.com. And also, you can just go to my website, uh, ramblingmindshow.com, and check out all the things that we have over there. But anyway, it's been your boy, Kalechi. Remember, generosity is always greater than greed. God bless each and every single one of y'all. And I'm out. Peace.